is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. Thank you so much, and welcome to everyone this morning. My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so delighted to have you thinking this morning about what um, brings hope. And one of the things that brings me hope is just seeing all of their little faces. It's so great. And I get to meet with them a couple times a year and tell them a little story. And uh, I am also find hope in the fact that they're so responsive. Like I'll ask a little simple question, and they'll all want to give an answer. So I'm going to test and see if you all are all that responsive today, too. Um, Uh, What gives you hope? I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, and it could be something great big or something really small, but what gives you hope? Turn to your neighbor right now and give them an answer to that question. Okay, you're all a little reserved, so I think the preschool kids win on that one, so... We're going to use a passage to help us think about this for a few more minutes today, and it's from Romans chapter 8. If you've got a Bible or a phone or something that you would like to read Scripture on, it'd be helpful if you want to follow along and read it. Romans 8. Uh, Romans is actually the book in the Bible that I think has the most messages of hope of any New Testament book, Uh, 14 or 15 different passages that talk about why we should have hope. And uh, I'm pulling one from one of the best chapters in the whole Bible, Romans 8, verses 22 through 25. And we are the kind of people who like to pray for each other. That gives us hope too. So before we read this together, I'm going to offer this prayer to you. The Lord be with you. Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. You've probably heard of Murphy's Law, which says, if anything can go wrong, it will. Have you ever heard of Mrs. Murphy's Law? Mrs. Murphy's Law is, if anything can go wrong, it will, while Mr. Murphy is not home. There's some other Murphy's Laws that get applied kind of to our home situation, and one of these that really caught my Uh, I was the law of variable speeds, Murphy's law of variable speeds, which says if you switch lines, the line that you move into will go slower and the line that you left will go quicker. You know this law? And this might be related to another uh, parenting kind of law. It's Murphy's law of the meltdown while you're in line. And that is that the uh, length of the line dictates the volume of the kid's meltdown. Have anybody ever ever experienced that or not? And then I also was uh, thought I got a kick out of uh, Murphy's Coffee Law, which is this: as soon as you sit down to a cup of hot coffee, your kid will ask you to do something which will last until your coffee is cold. I don't know if any of you have ever had that one or not. And then uh, I have experienced this at 
Planet Fitness, Murphy's Law of Lockers. If there are only two people in a locker room, they will have lockers that are adjacent to each other. So life, according to Murphy, sometimes goes off the rails, and maybe you've experienced this too. Little hassles or annoyances or maybe um, setbacks or maybe even tragedies. That things happen in life and they don't go as we planned. And because of the reality that life goes off the rails, it seems to me that we need to have uh, rules for hope. We need to have a way to find hope when life doesn't go the way that it looks. And that's what I want to do with you just now. I want to look at three laws of hope. And the first law is the universal law of hope, which says, hope springs eternal. Now, this law came from a guy who was a poet. His name was Alexander Pope. He wrote a poem called Hope Springs Eternal, in which he lays out the case that no matter how bad things get, we still have hope. We always want it to get better. That we are the kind of people who rely on hope to get us through difficult times, when things go off the rails. No one really wants to believe that the best days are behind us. We all want to believe that the best is yet to come. And this is the law of universal hope. Every one of us needs hope, and we have this hope that continually springs up. No matter what challenges come, no matter what happens, we can find hope. And this is a helpful law considering the kind of challenges that we've had in the past couple of years. Most of us have had to face difficult situations that were uh, maybe annoyances, but maybe more tragic, so that... um, life actually started to suck the hope out of us. I don't know if anybody else experienced this, but I know I experienced many times in the last couple of years that hope was just draining away. And I started to wonder if I was going to lose all hope and if that hope could ever be replaced. And then I came across this interesting survey that was just recently taken about the level of hope in our country. And this survey found that just over half of us are extremely worried about what's coming next that because of COVID and because of the divisiveness, because of the economy, because of all these things that are happening, it does appear that hope is draining away. In fact, one out of four Americans in this survey explicitly said nothing made them hopeful. They had lost all hope. And yet, the other part of this survey is the part that really caught my attention. It was the part that showed that about one in five of us are still extremely hopeful. And that blew me away because I'm thinking in light of all the stuff that's going on, how could anyone continue to have hope? In fact, just under half of the people in America were either extremely or very hopeful. So that means there's a lot of hope out there and that affirmed for me the law of universal hope. Hope springs eternal. No matter how bad things get, we still have hope. We don't give up on it. This is something that a theologian, Martin Luther, actually commented on. He commented on it this way. He said, everything that is done in this world is done by hope, which means hope is the thing. It's the motivator. It's what gets us going. Uh, Another guy, Professor Mason Cooley, said it this way. He said, every day begins with an act of courage and hope. You know what that act is? Getting out of bed. Yeah. When you get out of bed, you're saying, okay, it's another day. We can keep going. We can have hope. Hope springs eternal. This is what our passage in Romans 8 was talking about. It said this, 
For in this hope we are saved. And what he's referring to there is the stuff that has come right before this. And Romans 8, if you get a chance to go read the whole thing, is amazing because it talks about how in Jesus Christ there's no condemnation. In Jesus Christ we know that God's love never ends. In Jesus Christ we know that everything God wants to accomplish is going to be accomplished and nothing can stop it. And then he says, it is this hope that we recognize our salvation. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? I don't hope for what I already have. I have it. I'm hoping for what is yet to come. I'm hoping for what is not here yet. Who hopes for what is they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. So now we're discovering a little posture of hope. Hope is about waiting. It's about being patient. It's about looking forward to the future and the good that might come yet, but it's not here now which brings us to the second law of hope, which is the law of dissonance. The law of dissonance says, hope grows in the dark. This is where hope grows. Hope doesn't grow after we get the thing we hope for. It grows before we get the thing that we hope for. Now, dissonance, if I understand it correctly, is a musical term. And the mu- in, dissonance in music is when two chords are played and they, um, they're not in harmony. We've got some musical people. Is that right, Carl? So when a dissonant note is played, there's something that's wired in us that wants it to resolve. You're like, those two notes aren't quite right. They're not quite right. They're not quite right. And then all of a sudden, when the notes are harmonized, you go, oh, the dissonance has been relieved. That's dissonance in music. Dissonance in life is very similar. Dissonance in life is when there's good stuff happening and there's bad stuff happening at the same time. There's light and there's darkness. And we go, how can we live with this? There's darkness and there's light and there's darkness and there's light and I want it to go, I want it to go, I want it to go. And once it finally resolves, that's when you get relief. When is the hope needed? Before they resolve. When there's still darkness. That's when we need hope. This is the law of dissonance. Hope actually grows in the dark. Bishop Desmond Tutu talked about this. He said this, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite the darkness. So the darkness is still there, but there's, there's some good, and that is going to come together. It's going to come, it's going to come, and then there'll be resolution. Until then, I need to have hope. This is how Romans 8 talked about it. We know that the whole world has been groaning as in the, chains, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The whole world and everyone in it is groaning because we're like, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil. I want it to resolve. I want it to be better. I want the darkness to go away. And while it's still there, our hope grows. This is the dissonance that we have experienced. Now, we who are part of Cedar Hills over the last seven weeks have been looking at the deadly sins. And those deadly sins include lust, gluttony, sloth, greed, anger, envy, and vainglory. And the theory is that out of these seven deadly sins, all the other sins come. And what happens when we're living in sin is we are living in dissonance. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. Sin ruins the world. It ruins creation. It ruins us. When we're living in sin, we are living in hope that one day... There will be no more sin. Until that day, we have to live in hope. 
And we discovered over the last several weeks that the way to deal with that is by confession. We admit that we're sinful. And when we admit we're sinful, we don't do this to like bring anyone down to bum you out. We do this because when we confess our sins, then we get forgiveness and that's resolution. That resolves the dissonance. When we confess our sins, God says he forgives our sins. He's faithful and just in that way. And so the thing that we hope for, that we're still loved, that we still belong, that we're still forgiven, this hope is realized as soon as we confess. This is where our hope lies. That in the darkest moments, even the dark moments that were created by our own sinfulness, that God is still working. He's not stopped working. Nothing can cause God to stop doing the thing that he wants. When the very fabric of life unravels, when life is not the way it's supposed to be, when we experience brokenness, then God heals, God restores, God fixes, God forgives, and this resolves the dissonance. Our hope when we are in the dark is that God will keep doing the work that God promises to do. This is where hope grows. It grows in the darkness. Romans talks about this a little bit earlier in that chapter 8 this way. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us one day. You see, our sin creates this kind of dissonance and it's not a glorious thing. It's a difficult, painful, dark thing. But, according to God's promise, this is nothing to be compared to when it is resolved and his glory is revealed in us fully. The whole world is groaning in darkness. But we are the kind of people who groan with hope because we know that no darkness, no suffering, no pain, no hardship, no annoyance, no tragedy, no sin can ever separate us from the good that God wants to do. This was the verse we just sang about, Romans 8:28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's going to resolve these things. And that brings us really to the third law of hope, which is the law of connection. And the law of connection says that hope requires relationships. We don't get hope in a vacuum. We don't get hope in isolation. We actually draw hope from each other. This is where our hope really gets fueled. Now this is what sin wants to do. Sin wants to destroy relationships. Sin's primary goal is to cause separation. And first of all, it wants to cause separation between us and God. It wants there to be a barrier, hostility, a wall, so that the holy God is separated from sinful people. This is what sin wants to do. It wants to keep us away from God. The second thing that sin wants to do is it wants to keep us away from each other. It wants to drive a wedge in relationships. It wants to fill us with envy and jealousy and pride and prejudice and anger and rage. Whatever it can do to drive a wedge between us, this is what sin does. It separates us. Incidentally, sin also wants to separate us in our relationship with the world, with the planet, that uh, when we should be good, careful stewards of the world that's around us, we oftentimes take advantage and abuse the world that we live in. This, dry, this drives a wedge between us and the planet, and this is most evidence when we see, you know, natural disasters occurring. 
Like the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And this is what Romans 8 was talking about. The whole world groans because of this separation. Because there's a, a wedge that's been driven. Now one of our most common stories that we tell each other in our culture is we tell our stories that we are strong, independent, individual people. This story says that we are self-sufficient, that I can do it myself, that I don't need anyone. This is a common story in our culture. And we're constantly being told, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go make it happen. In fact, it's often considered to be like a weakness if we ever admit to needing help, if we need someone to come alongside of us in a difficult time. This message is actually backwards from what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that if we are going to make it, we need each other. We need connection. We need community. This is the way that we're designed. This is the way that it's wired into us, that we need hope. So Ephesians 2 is another great verse that talks about all these ideas. And um, I'll just read a couple verses. Ephesians 2.13 but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The image in, in Ephesians 2 is this image of like a, a dividing wall, a barrier, something that has kept us separate from God. And it says that now we are headed on a new, a new pathway. We're headed near. You know, this passage talks about us being like far off, being aliens, being distant, like God is absent. But Jesus came, and by his blood, we who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In Jesus, we are connected with each other. And this connection overcomes isolation. It overcomes this kind of obsessive need to self-gratification to selfish pride connection overcomes evil you know sin grows in secret and if we want to overcome destructive behaviors we need each other to hold us accountable this kind of connection brings forgiveness it brings empathy it deepens trust it creates community connection makes us family so that in Jesus we are brothers and sisters this connection gives us hope it allows us to be sustained even in the midst of darkness. We've also spent uh, in the last several weeks look, uh, some time looking at the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if you listen to these and how they lived out, are lived out, they're all communal characteristics. Peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It's all lived out in community. If we want to grow hope, a deeper, more lasting hope in the face of darkness, we do that in relationship with each other. This is the law of connection. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had this experience, but I know I have. There's been times in my life when I had to deal with such darkness, such personal tragedy, such pain, such loss and grief, I didn't know if God still cared about me. I didn't know if God was still there. I didn't know if God still loved me. In fact, in some of the deepest, darkest moments in my life, I wasn't sure if anybody loved me. I lost all hope. 
And you know what restored hope for me? There were people who hoped in my place. They hoped for me when I could not hope. And they came close and they connected with me in unique ways. And they assured me that they loved me. And they reassured me that God still loved me. And they shared some truths that were reminders that even in the dark, God is still working. And it uh, rekindled the hope that I had. I had some dear friends who came to me in these dark, dark moments and shared verses like this, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. And as I shared this verse with me in these dark, dark moments, I imagined what it was like to stand over the crib of my own kids when they were little and not knowing what was coming, not knowing what they would face in life, not knowing what hardships or difficulties might be around the next bend, but to stand at their crib and hope for them. Hope that they would be safe, that they would be strong, that they would be smart, that they would be successful, that they would love the Lord. And I hoped for them because they were too young to hope. And now I have this picture of God standing over me, singing over me to give me hope. My sister, on maybe what was one of the darkest days of my whole life, called and shared this verse with me, Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hope in the dark, because someone cared enough to share it. Someone else shared this verse, and it's become kind of a theme verse for me, Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. On dark days when I'm not sure if I can keep a hold of my hope, I remember nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm so grateful that I'm part of a community where if it's a day I don't remember that truth, I have people who care for me enough to remind me that God loves me. And I recognize then that hope grows in relationship. So here was my hope for the few moments that I had with you this morning. I hoped that you could maybe find some hope too. Because we live in a world that often follows Murphy's Law, that if something can go wrong, it will. This is the world we live in. But in the midst of that, we recognize that there's the law of universal hope, which says hope springs eternal. We have reason to hope. And we have the law of dissonance, which reminds us that this hope is growing and is continuing to grow, even in the dark. And we're reminded of the law of connection, which says that hope grows in relationship. And so no matter what happens, there's hope. 
Let's pray together. Dear Lord God, I come to you this morning and I give you thanks. You are a good, good Father and you love us. And I thank you for these beautiful promises that we've just heard that in Jesus, nothing can ever separate us from that love. I want to pray, God, for these good people who are sitting here and those who are watching online. There may be somebody right now who's facing a difficult time, a very dark day, a hardship. I don't know what that could be, but God, you know. And I pray that you would come near them right now. Wrap your strong arms of love around them. Maybe bring somebody into their life who can remind them of your love, who can remind them of uh, hope, who can hope in their place when they can't hope. God, whatever that need might be, whether it's a need for healing, a need for employment, a need for restored relationships, a need for overcoming uh, betrayal, for facing injustice, uh, whatever that difficulty is, a grief or loss, uh, just painful memories, abuse, addiction, whatever it might be, God, come near and love them. And use us to love them as well. We thank you, God, that when we lift up our praises and our requests to you, you're not a God who's far off and distant, but that you're a God who's living and active, that you're alive, and you're here with us in this place and will go with us into this coming week. And for that, God, we are so grateful. We give you praise. And thank you for hearing our prayers and for answering them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.